Good afternoon, and uh, welcome to this week's webinar from the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School in Maui, Hawaii. Michael Benner with you, and happy holiday weekend. It's Memorial Day, or tomorrow's actually Memorial Day. Today's the middle of a nice long holiday weekend, the first weekend of summer for uh, lots of folks in the United States. In the southwest, of course, uh, the weather's always nice, and uh, here in Hawaii, it's always nice. If we have uh, people listening in uh, tornado-prone areas, uh, gosh, we've been watching the weather, and I just keep thinking global warming, global warming. Uh, the size of these tornadoes, the number of tornadoes, it's uh, just further evidence that uh, not nice to mess with Mother Nature. So I hope you're all safe and happy on this holiday weekend, doing better and better, and I really appreciate you joining us for this live event. We do this again, 1 o'clock Pacific Time every Sunday afternoon, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern, and uh, welcome on board. Uh, I mentioned before we began this morning, and I just want to quickly remind you that you have a variety of options uh, even listening live you can either use the uh, the web uh, to listen and submit questions in real time or just put your name and city in the blank and and say hello to me let me know you're out there i have a counter but i there's no way of knowing who you guys are or or that a given individual is online or anything like that it just shows me a number of people that are that are on the web and same thing on the telephone. So live, you have those two choices, online and by telephone. Though callers have to be muted out once we begin. But you also have the uh, replays that are available, and we've archived all those for you on my website, michaelbenner.com or theagelesswisdom.com. Either one of those go to the same place. And... Uh, when you're there, just click on homepage to go inside, and then click on teleconference, web teleconference, and all the past programs are there. One click, and you're tuned in uh, and listening to past events. Also, the podcast is available at the iTunes Music Store. Just put my name in the search box, Michael Benner, and then you can choose either the Intervision Podcast or Breakthrough Radio Podcast. Uh, both of those are now carrying this teleseminar. Okay. All right. Uh, the threefold nature of things, the trinities, is our theme for the uh, for the week today. And uh, those of you, most of you, I'm sure, will remember that two weeks ago we uh, did a program on the totality, the oneness of all things, in uh, the wisdom tradition of metaphysics and mysticism and uh, the spirituality uh, free from religion that really uh, stands above religion. It embraces religion, but few religious people embrace the wisdom. Yet there it is, available to all of us who are willing to look at all cultures and all times and the consensus of who we are as spiritual beings in form. So the perennial philosophy, or ageless wisdom, as it's often called, is a blueprint or a, an outline, a skeleton, if you will, and it's flexible and uh, designed to 
at once be incredibly logical and reasonable and appealing to really smart people, and yet uh, to be flexible enough uh, for you to use it as a framework for your own particular understanding and honor your conscience and, and your particular insights. Fundamental to all of the wisdom traditions, of course, in mysticism is the concept of absolute spiritual unity and the duality of things above and below, but also in form, the yin and the yang, the left and the right, the swing of the pendulum. And we've discussed that in the last couple of weeks, and this week uh, we're going to talk about the threefold nature, the trinities in all things. Two weeks ago, when we talked about the oneness of things, I quoted both in the program and the newsletter that invited you to it, um, the ancient Egyptian or Hermetic rubric uh, from the Emerald Tablet, the second rubric, um, as it is below, so it is above, and as it is above, so also it is below. This uh, second rubric is known as the Law of Correspondence, and uh, it's been used throughout history by, again, people from all cultures to better understand the nature of divinity if physical dense or the material universe is a reflection or a manifestation or an outpicturing, then what we know about down here would tell us about up there. And uh, there's also a horizontal version of that law of correspondence, the way in which our lives tend to reflect our consciousness, our awareness, our, our belief systems, and our expectations, the way life mirrors us. And uh, you know, I'm always reminded of spy versus spy. That's that which mirrors you is not completely opposite in all ways. Uh, something is mirroring you, then uh, in some ways it may be opposite, but in some ways it's a perfect reflection of of who you are. And that's part of the paradox we talked about last week in the cyclic nature of all things, in their dualities and their their yin and yang. Well, if there is a divine trinity above, and we see this in all the spiritual and religious traditions as well, in the Hermetic philosophy I talked about, ancient Egyptian philosophy, it's king, prince, and queen. It's uh, Osiris, Horus, and Isis. In uh, Christianity, it's uh, father, son, and mother. Uh, of course, women are denigrated in the church, so they've made it uh, father, son, and something called Holy Spirit, but it's all Holy Spirit. Um, in uh, Judaism, of course, it's Kether Kachlan Bana, the crown of the wisdom and the understanding of that which is divine. In theosophy, it's uh, will, love, and intelligent activity. Um, in, in Hinduism, it's uh, in Buddhism even, it's Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. We, we come around at uh, the, the trinity of things again and again and again, referring not only to the divine trinity, the threefold nature of the one thing, but also if there is a trinity above, there has to be a trinity below, a lower correspondence, if you will, of the threeness of divinity in humanity, 
in us. And indeed, that's our mental, emotional, and physical nature. If you are Catholic, if you were raised Catholic or know any Catholics, you're probably familiar with the sign of the cross, where Catholics touch their forehead, their heart, and their shoulders, making what they're told is the sign of the cross. They also have a little affirmation or prayer that they say when they do that. Touching the forehead, which is the mental nature, they, they do so, they say, in the name of the Father. So in the name of divine will, or the Father aspect of divinity, uh, the Catholic touches his forehead. He's not taught that this is a lower correspondence. Most Catholics grow old and die. I think most Catholic priests have forgotten what this is even about. And then, of course, they touch their hearts with their fingertips, and they say, in the name of the Son, uh, indicating that Christ represents divine love, or the overshadowing soul, and your heart, in a sense, represents the emotional nature in man. So man's emotional nature is the lower correspondence of the second part of the divine trinity, the sun aspect of the soul, the Christos, the, the, the son of God. And then the shoulders, of course, so, um, Catholics call that the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Again, this is the mother aspect. Mater is material. The material world is the mother aspect. The Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit is just a way of you know, continuing the tradition where anything feminine is excluded from the church. Again, it should be obvious, Father, Son, fill in the blank. <laughs> it's obviously uh, spirit, uh, and then the heart of things, consciousness, love, and matter. So the lower correspondence of that is the mental, the emotional, and the physical nature of man. That's fascinating, I think. And is a great place to begin to look at the threeness of things. If we remember what we know of Pythagoras, roughly uh, 4th or 5th century before the current era, uh, Pythagoras, uh, as I remember my history, was raised actually off the coast of Greece and was familiar with northern Africa maybe Cyprus, I think, but essentially he's thought of as a Greek rather than an African uh, or Egyptian philosopher. And Pythagoras was, uh, you know, really interested in defining space and stumbled on the what is now known as Pythagorean theorem, the idea that if you have a triangle, here's a three, here's a trinity, a triangle with a right angle that... Um, the hypotenuse, the hypotenuse, isn't that what they call that that diagonal that is opposite the right angle? That uh, the length of that side squared is equal to the sum of the other two sides squared. And that's pretty fascinating. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. To define the universe in such simple and reliable terms uh, freaked out the early philosophers. They thought, wow, this whole universe could be understood as math, as number, as ratio, and of course music was part of that, and astrology or astronomy uh, was part of that, understanding that everything is number, and so the number three is a very, very important number.
number of the triangle. The three-legged stool cannot rock. Uh, a stool or a chair with less than three legs is inherently unstable or instable. And yet if a chair or a stool had four or more legs, uh, they all have to be the same length or it begins to teeter. Uh, ironically, well, that's maybe not the right word. Oddly, curiously, only the three-legged stool is stable regardless of the length of the legs. And that, too, is fascinating to a thinking woman or man. And that's, of course, because those three legs, this tripod, if you will, traces out a triangle uh, on the ground. It doesn't have to be equilateral. It does not have to be right angle. It could be pretty much any triangle, although broader is better. Um, and uh, the inherent stability of the three-legged stool has always uh, or also fascinated thinking people from the beginning of time. It's just, what is it about this triangle? What is it about the number three? Well, we live in a world of time and space. And time has its past, its present, and its future. Its middle point now, and then what appears to be a past and a future. Uh, uh, space, of course, appears to have three dimensions as well. Its height and its width and its depth. Uh, as I said in, in the newsletter that I sent out as a reminder uh, late last night, which you probably got this morning. Uh, three musical notes in any given key are sufficient to form a full chord, a major chord or a minor chord. You only need a, a one, three, and a five. Three colors are sufficient to make every color imaginable. Millions of colors, millions, untold millions of colors can be fashioned out of three primary colors. They're a little different depending on whether you're working with pigment or working with light. Most of you are probably familiar with the primary colors of light, red, green, and blue. And uh, all of those added together in light makes white. If you add all the primary colors together in pigment or matter, it makes black. Again, just abs there's your duality. Absolutely fascinating, the threefold nature of all things. In ancient mysticism, it's said that the divine emanates itself, the absolute God, in seven streams, seven frequencies, seven notes, if you will, seven colors, but three are primary. The first three are primary. Again, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would be the will, the love, and the intelligent activity of divinity. So this is where we can begin to understand. But if we go back to where we left off last week on the polarities and the cyclic nature of things, and I remind you we talked a lot about the pendulum. It's a very rich concept because in order to get from one extreme to the other extreme, a pendulum obviously has to swing through a middle. And the middle, or the heart, of polarities, the heart of dualities, that's where all the magic is. The magic is in the middle, the secret is always in the center. It's the Christos, the Buddha nature, the middle way that is most fascinating in all of mysticism. 
heart and soul of everything magical and wondrous. It is, again, that love, that consciousness, that harmony that unifies what appears to be opposites, that allows the one thing to manifest itself in so many not just diverse and divergent, but unique forms without being diminished or affected in any way. This is one of the great philosophical conundrums from time out of mind. How would God, this one total transcendent yet imminent thing, this all that is, this concept of absolute unity, express itself in so many diverse ways without being diminished or affected because if the one was affected or diminished or in any way affected by the emanation or creation of its physical universe that wouldn't be much of a god it gets tired and worn out and so the whole idea is as it's been stated in, in philosophy, I think is, again, really fascinating. I hope you find this half as intriguing as I do. How does the one create the many without being diminished? If it, if it made the universe out of something other than itself, if something other than God existed, then God wouldn't be God. If God created the universe from itself and was depleted or diminished or even affected in any way, uh, as a result, that would not be much of a God either. So this has always been one of the really fundamental constructs of the one and the many, of the creator and its creation. Uh, how does a creator create the creation without being diminished? And it's through love. It's through love as a magnetic force. Love is a unified magnetic field. Let's go to the above and below, the the, the uh, creator and its creation, uh, heaven and earth, God and man, um, as a bar magnet. We talked about this last week, and a very, very important concept, just like the pendulum. Let's start with the bar magnet. We'll go to the pendulum. The bar magnet has its poles. Uh, the so-called north pole is has a, a charge we call positive. The so-called south pole of the bar magnet has a charge that's negative. If we went no further in this, one might believe there are opposite poles of a bar magnet, and maybe that right in the middle of the bar magnet, the charge is neutral. Well, there's no such thing as a as a neutral place on the bar magnet. There is no location on the bar magnet that doesn't experience the influence of both poles. I'm going to say that again. There is no location on the bar magnet where, that does not experience the influence of both poles. So what appear to be opposites are really, well, sort of like two sides of the same coin. We talked about this last week, that, that a, a coin has two sides that, in a sense, you would think of as opposite, heads and tails, but how opposite could be they be if they're inseparable, you see. And the North Pole and South Pole of a magnet is inseparable. And 
human beings have inalienable rights. That means that we cannot be separated from our divinity, except by appearance, except by form. How could such a thing be possible? How are we connected to divinity? And the answer has been repeatedly, again and again, in all times, in all cultures, the incredibly magical, magnetic powers of love as consciousness everywhere equally present. So the bar magnet has its middle, its magnetic field. And of course it's not confined to the midpoint. It's not just the 50-yard line. If you look at the picture, a, a picture of a bar magnet, often you'll see portrayed around it lines, beautiful sweeping lines, that even extend above the top and below the bottom of the bar magnet, and certainly around on all sides, this electromagnetic force field that is at the interface, if you will, of these apparently opposite polarities, and yet it is this unifying magnetic field, the heart of the bar magnet, that unifies what seems to be opposites into one whole thing. We have a similar uh, situation with the pendulum, and we touched on this last week as well, where the above part of the pendulum, the divine north end of the pendulum, is fixed and unmoving and uh, eternal and infinite and unchanging law. And it's the bottom of the bar magnet that swings left and right. But again, while as a result of stress and anxiety and fear, most people live in fight or flight and therefore see all of their problems as either this or that, everything or nothing, this maddening, uh, 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 false dichotomies, uh, true or false, everything right or wrong, everything good or bad, any difference being opposite. If you disagree to the slightest, you're my enemy. All of that madness that either-or thinking comes out of stress and anxiety. It's part of the fight-or-flight response. So to begin to think of the third way, what the philosopher calls the middle way, is to look at the full swing of that pendulum, all the variations and permutations and combinations. Now, let's go a little farther with this idea of trinities. And uh, I want to... Let me check a couple of things real quick before we move on. Oh, good. Bunch of new people on board. Thank you for, uh, thank you for joining us on this holiday weekend. I have a, a grid on my, uh, on my webpage. I'll tell you how to find it here. Uh, and you can look at it later. If you go to michaelbenner.com, or theagelesswisdom.com. It goes to the same place. And uh, go inside by clicking on the home page. Then you'll see all the navigation tools on the left. And if you go down to Wisdom Nuggets and click on Wisdom Nuggets, you'll find a series of articles. And click on the one called Trinity, the, the threeness of things, and you'll see this grid. Now, the most I'm going to run down some of these and show you the threeness of things in all these different traditions. The most generic, all-purpose, universal version of the divine trinity, of course, would be God, 
the absolute, if you will. Soul would be the second middle element. The word heart means middle. Soul actually means breath. And, of course, then the third element of the divine trinity, uh, what's, you know, Father, Son, what's called Holy Spirit, is mankind in the physical. So it's like creator, soul, creation. Okay. And in theosophy, I guess, in, in metaphysics in general, you come up with what is called, especially occult manifestation, the law of attraction, that stuff. You come across a trinity called the uh, causative triangle. And the secret of many alchemists and magicians down through the years has been the manipulation of consciousness. And that trinity is spirit, consciousness, and matter. So consciousness, awareness, is your identity as a soul. Okay, And it sits at the interface of spirit and matter. When spirit creates matter, consciousness springs out of it. Just like the North Pole has to align itself with the South Pole for the magnetic field to spring. Certainly the Christian trinity is well known, Father, Son. The Son is the Christos, or the soul aspect, uh, divine love. And then the Holy Spirit, again, is a euphemism for mother. And uh, by the way, uh, any people who identify themselves as Christians would do themselves a great service to begin to bring mom back into the Trinity here and talk about father, son, and mother. Um, Catholics uh, and Protestants alike, it's very important that we stop the denigration of women by referring to the material, the mater, the mother aspect of of, uh, all that is. Uh, as Holy Spirit. That suggests the Son is not Holy Spirit or the Father is not Holy Spirit. It's all Holy Spirit. So Father, Son, and Mother. Uh, again, uh, Creator, Savior, Sinner would be another one. I don't particularly like the word sinner or the divine source, the Redeemer, and the Disciple. Uh, we talked about the Catholic sign of the cross how touching the head, the heart, and the shoulders corresponds to man's mental, emotional, and physical nature in the name of the divine trinity. So there again you see that as above, so below correlation. In theosophy, uh, Blavatsky would talk about the Atma, the Buddha, or the Christ nature, and Manas. And also, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the higher correspondence of thought, feeling, and activity would be divine will, divine love, and intelligent activity. Alice Bailey, who is a student of theosophy uh, and who wrote 26 pretty amazing books uh, several decades ago, has a very rich and wonderful trinity, life, quality, and appearance, where the one thing, the most divine, is life. And the heart and soul of the divine trinity is its quality. And the physical dense is its appearance. That's a very nice one. Magic, occult magic, uh, energy, force, and substance. That's a very important concept in understanding how to create with consciousness. This is the finer point of the law of attraction that you're not going to find 
in most of the basic material. They just tell you about seeing what you want or experiencing yourself having what you want. But the finer points of it have to do with ideation or the mental nature being an energy that is ideated or created. And the the emotional nature then becomes the force behind that energy. It's almost like in Ohm's Law where the energy is the amperage and the force, the emotional nature, is the voltage, the electromagnetic force. That's The voltage is the push behind the amperage. It's like amperage is the volume of electricity and voltage is the pressure behind it. That's the love aspect. So energy, force, and substance coming out into the world. Okay. These merit a lot of contemplation. I'm going through it fast, but it's it's really pretty cool. Uh, let's see. Where did I leave off here? I was just doing a time check. In the Western Mystery Schools, and I guess this is one of them, we have the concept of unity and diversity with the magnetic nature in the center. So the unity, the magnetic nature would be the sun, the emotional, the, the soul aspect, the center of this trinity. Unity, the magnetic field, and diversity. Or unity, magnetic field, and separation. All right. Also, and this is a beautiful one, this is Masonic in many ways, the trinity that is the good, the true, and the beautiful. Do you see the same divinity there? Good meaning God. God is good, good is God. They're almost the same word. Uh, the middle aspect, the sun or the soul aspect, is truth. That love is truth. And the only truth is love. And at the end of the day, in the end of all times, the only thing that exists, the only thing that has ever existed, and the only thing that could exist that is good and true and beautiful is truth as love, everywhere equally present. And, of course, beauty, well, that's the manifestation, that's the creation, that's the third aspect. Look at this coming up again and again, the one, two, three of things, how what appear to be opposites are unified by a heart in the middle. In philosophy, we have the transcendent, the consciousness, and the imminent. Transcendent is that definition of divinity where everything is in the one. The transcendent this is the regal God that stands above as the container embracing inclusively all things. How could anything stand outside of the one life? This is reality transcendent. On the other end of the bar magnet, you have the definition of philosophical definition of the absolute manifesting itself in all things. So not only is everything in the one, but the one is in every seemingly separated thing, right down to the tiniest particle. No cell, no molecule, no subatomic particle, no matter how small, could be empty of or devoid of the influence of the one thing. And it's consciousness that unifies, again, these apparent opposites. It's consciousness, truth, love, uh, the soul aspect of the sun of above and below. So you have here again this magnificent trinity 
the most divine, the absolute, what Christians called God, uh, as the container of all things, so to speak, everything in the one, but then God imminent, the one in everything. Both things are true. Everything in the one, and the one in every seemingly separated thing. Deal with it. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta have multiple definitions, right? We're going to work with something this complex, and I wouldn't even stop with this stuff. This is just the vertical model. Uh, uh, permanence and impermanence, or the eternal against time and space, is also unified by the consciousness aspect. You've heard many times, I'm sure, in your life, whether your upbringing was religious or not, about the omnipotence and the omnipresence and the omniscience of the divine, the all-powerful, the everywhere equally present, and the all-knowing. That would be the order. The all-powerful would be the father aspect. The everywhere equally present would be the love, the son aspect, and the all-knowing is its manifestation out into the world. The one, the group, and the many, you've heard me talk about. The one and the many, there's a group. The soul lives in groups. And so while you have this transcendent and imminent definition of the one and the many, uh, consider that the soul works in ashrams or houses or groups. The soul is never alone. These are what many people call their guardian angels or their spirit guides or the ascended masters or the great white lodge. This is heaven. This is the plane of the soul. And your soul is there now, it was there before you incarnated, it will be there after you leave this mortal coil behind. And of course, this is one of the great heresies in Christianity to talk about the pre-existence of the soul. Uh, let's see, what else have we got? Power, light, and form is an esoteric and arcane version Power, light, and form. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How about this one? Purpose, evolution, and activity. Or bliss, joy, and happiness. Here's the trinity of ecstasy. Well, let's start, let's do it from the bottom this time. What we call happiness in the physical world to the soul above and pre of form is joy which is happiness for no reason. And divinity, then, is bliss. Okay? So bliss, joy, and happiness. Isn't that nice? Further, we have in theosophy and some of the esoteric and arcane philosophies an idea of Shambhala, or the planetary head center in the chakra system. Uh, the second aspect of the divine trinity in this paradigm would be the heart aspect or the so-called hierarchy. Everything, you know, all the different levels of saints and sages and ancestors and ascended masters between physical dense and the most high. And then, of course, humanity would be the throat center. So the head center, the heart center, the throat center. This is very veiled, but I'm going to share it with you because I think it's cool. Three kinds of fire. Uh, the ancient alchemists wrote about electric fire. They didn't understand electricity, but they knew about static and, uh, you know, that little 
shocks you sometimes get when you shuffle across a rug and reach for the doorknob if the humidity is low, especially. They knew about static electricity. They knew about charges building. They certainly knew about lightning. That was their sense, lightning of electric fire. Solar fire is the fire of the heart. And then fire by friction is a reference, obviously, to living in the physical world. And we have a nice allegory out of that that therapists and, and coaches and, and spiritual counselors often use about the alchemical use of consciousness to lift fire by friction from heat to light. Okay, from fire by friction to solar fire um, as you approach uh, electric fire. In astrology, the trinity is sun, moon, and earth. Okay, and this can be developed too. It's a very, very rich idea that uh, the, the both the moon and the earth are receptive to the sun's light. Uh, we've got in alchemy sulfur, mercury, and salt. You've heard salt of the earth. That's where that comes from. Mercury uh, is the emotional nature in man or divine love, the soul aspect, because of its mercurial, mercury, mercurial or changeable nature. Um, often uh, water represents this, as in uh, fire, water, and earth, that would be another similar trinity. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's really a quatrain. Uh, fire, water, and earth, you're leaving out air. Where is air? Well, air is everywhere equally present. Air is sort of behind all three or above all three. Air is mostly allied with water. Okay. What is air in one model is water in another model. Uh, the Freemasons, here's a nice one. The old Freemasons, um, the most divine they referred to as the supreme architect, the overshadowing soul, the Christos, the Buddha nature, the heart of it all, is the builder, and physical dense is the building. So God is the architect, man is the builder, and man's physical existence in the world around us is the building. Raising the question, are you the builder or the building? Another nice Masonic Trinity is strength, wisdom, and beauty. Strength is that which is most divine. Wisdom, again, wisdom stands at the heart and the soul, the center, and beauty, again, the appearance of things. Um, let's see. I've got 50 of these. I can't go. <laughs> I can't really go through all of them. I just want to give you a sense of it. Um, for those of you that are really on board with this, let me share esoteric motion. Even motion uh, in time and space in an esoteric sense has its trinity. Where, uh, and again, we'll work it from the bottom up here. It's easier to understand. Where in physical dense, the third aspect of the trinity, the physical universe, Holy Spirit, so-called the mother aspect, is cyclic. It's seasonal. It's rotary. It goes around, around, and around. That same esoteric motion of life being cyclic, having its yin and yang, its its seasons and going around and around. On the plane of the soul, in the in the so-called sun, you know the the uh, the prince, the middle element is 
uplifting, right? The whole idea of redemption or resurrection. And so a circle that's uplifted becomes a spiral. And then the top of the esoteric motion trinity, the most divine, is forward-moving or progressive. Isn't that cool? So what appears to be cyclic in physical dense is actually spiralic on the plane of the soul and progressive moving forward in terms of the plan, divine will, or divine purpose of all things. You know, often we say in life, why am I going through this again? And I used to have a wonderful teacher who would say, well, you're going through it again, but most likely on a higher turn of the spiral. It feels like we're going round and round. Sometimes we don't realize that we're through that going round and round, uh, moving on up. Through the, I mean, Jacob's ladder is a spiral staircase. I'll say it that way. The stairway to heaven is a spiral staircase. We mentioned uh, Jewish mysticism in Kabbalah. The most supreme trinity is Keter Kachma and Pana, which corresponds to crown, the most divine, wisdom again, love, consciousness, the sun aspect, heart and soul. And Pana is understanding in this model. Um, some might call that knowledge. Uh, the Sufi, the uh, mysticism is of, of Islam. The most divine is the beloved. The center aspect, again, is love. And the manifestation is the lover. So the lover approaches its beloved through love. Again, nobody comes to the Father but through me, you see. In Taoism, it's unity, love, and peace. Uh, Buddhism, we mentioned, the, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, which translates Buddha pure or awake. Uh, Dharma is the law or the path, um, and uh, Sangha is the practitioner who seeks to, through the Dharma, through the principles and the teachings, um, find the path toward being more awake and manifesting, realizing at least, the divinity uh, from which he springs. Hindu, uh, Satya, and um, Ananda. Maybe you know that. Existence, knowledge, and bliss. Existence, knowledge, and bliss. That's the meaning of Satya and Ananda. Uh, some of you have studied Hinduism and they never really explained it to you. Another Hindu trinity is Agni, uh, Vayu, and Surya, which means fire, air, and life. Again, fire would be the most divine, air the sun aspect, the heart and soul and Surya is life. Okay. Hindu, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, we mentioned that. Also um, let's see, sky, atmosphere and earth. Uh, you find this in the Om. I don't know how many of you realize the Om spelled O-M is pronounced as a trinity. A-U-M This is far out. Um, if you're old enough to remember the Moody Blues, you may even remember where they sing Aum. Okay, Om is pronounced, not Om. Om is pronounced Aum. And the A ah is the back of the mouth, the U, the middle of the mouth, and the M is the front of the mouth. And so, isn't this beautifully rich and ancient? The idea of, again, the breath air, or the word, in the beginning there was the word, coming from the back of the mouth 
through the middle of the mouth to the front of the mouth. And that corresponds to earth, atmosphere, and sky, or universe. Far out, huh? Those of you that have been chanting Om, you can now say it right. Um, let's see, a few more. Uh, also Hindu, you have uh, goodness, passion, and delusion. Uh, in the Sanskrit, it's sattva, rajas, and tamas, or tamas. Zoroastrian, any Persians in the crowd? Ancient Zoroastrian, pre-Muslim Persian religion. Virtue, wisdom, and intelligence. Do you see these same qualities coming through in the one, the group, and the many? The totality and the magnetic field that unifies it with its many separate parts. Virtue, wisdom, and intelligence. There's so many more. The Greek, uh, Zeus, Apollo, and Athena, or Numa, Logos, and Nus. Um, Roman pantheon, it's Jupiter, Mars, and Venus. All of them. Three, 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 three. Um, let's see if there's any more. Here's a bunch of them here. Again, you can see these on my uh, website. Consider Hegel's dialectic. They call it a dialectic, like a dichotomy, uh, which is there is a thesis, and then antithesis or an antithesis, like again, two sides of the coin, two different and seemingly opposite ideas. But what comes out of a, uh, a thesis giving rise to an antithesis or antithesis? What comes out of that is a middle way known as a synthesis. This is Hegel's dialectic. Again, you have this middle way that comes out of it and then becomes the thesis on a higher turn of the spiral, which gives rise to disagreement, insight, new understanding, and antithesis, out of which comes another synthesis, and in this way, the universe is born. Uh, I'm even going to suggest that uh, in the classic Wizard of Oz, that uh, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion represent the three parts of Dorothy's persona or ego nature. The scarecrow, of course, is uh, Dorothy's fear that she's not very smart. The tin man is Dorothy's fear that she's not very loving. And, of course, the lion is Dorothy's fear that she's not courageous enough. And the whole idea is the wizard says, you've already got it. You just need some evidence. Scarecrow, uh, here is uh, a a diploma in Tin Man, here's a heart, and, uh, or a little alarm clock, tick, 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 and Lion, here is a medal of uh, valor. You've already got exactly what you're looking for. Uh, again, 99% of people that read The Wizard of Oz and know they love it don't know why they love it. It just appeals on such a basic level to the triune nature of the trinity of all things. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. That's, you know, brief and I've done classes much longer on this kind of a topic, but I wanted to introduce it to you and and to, as I say, spend uh, these last couple of weeks uh, doing three parts all together and uh, talk about this rich and wonderful idea of 
the one, the group, and the many. If you have a question, I've uh, got several people just saying hello, putting their name in. I'd really love to respond to your questions, your comments. Uh, if not, uh, we can go right into our visualization exercise. Let me let me uh, check one thing here. Hold on. All right, good. So we've got a few people on the telephone line, lots of people on the web, and uh, we're 41 minutes into this. So uh, let me refresh once again and see if any of you have questions. This um, the system is a little new, not only the layout for you, but for me too. John says hi. Larry says hi. Hello, you guys. And uh, clean this up a bit. I got to learn this. You sort of learn by doing this way. I can't really do this in advance. Again, if you're on the web. You can submit a question. Here's Charlotte in Montreal. She's been on before. She's just saying hi, loves the Sunday sessions. Hello, Charlotte in Montreal. I don't suppose it's uh, Memorial Day or Memorial Day weekend in Montreal. I don't know. It might be. Well, let's see. I guess that's about it. Just a lot of folks checking in to say hello. Somebody said, I left the barbecue early. <laughs> Here we go. Matthew in Laverne says, in keeping with your theme, Law 2 said that from the ultimate nothingness comes the one. Yeah, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. This is very cool. Listen to this. From the Tao, which is the void, or the ultimate nothingness. Uh, the flow, yes, but it's still empty of things. This is the idea that God is... Uh, formless, you know, understand, outside of space and time. So from the ultimate nothingness or the Tao came the one, from the one came the two, from the two came the three, and from the three come the numberless things. Yeah, the translation that I have on my website is very similar, essentially the same present tense. From the Tao comes the one, from the one comes the two, from the two comes the three, and from the three come all things. So, excellent, Matthew. Very good. That's that's so true. You know, what this begs, because there's four parts to it, is that there's something above even the father aspect. Uh, this is very difficult for the Westerners to consider Godhead as unknowable, incomprehensible, and beyond even the father aspect of divinity. In other words, what the, the Tao is saying, and you can see this in the Anesthesian Creed and Catholicism and elsewhere too, it's just so darn veiled that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so-called, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, uh, you know, Kathakakma, whatever you want to call it, this divine trinity, spirit, consciousness, and matter, however you say it, is an emanation of a Godhead that cannot be named, that cannot be approached or understood, that is just too much. All we can, all, it's like, I don't know, I hate to, I hate to simplify something that can't be simplified, but, you know, the wind, you cannot see the wind with your eyes. 
it were not for its effect uh, by friction blowing through trees and such, you could not hear the wind except friction, um, and yet you can see its impact upon things. Certainly, uh, we we're talking about the tornadoes. God, it's just horrible. Uh, I don't mean to laugh at it, but look at the wind. That's just high-pressure areas and low-pressure areas creating opportunities for air to be sucked into a void, right? The wind gets strong and it starts to spin. And there's your, by the way, there's your your trinity of rotary and uplifting and moving forward, the tornado. So we can't see the wind, but we can see its effects in the world. We we can't really see the most divine or the Godhead, but we can experience its will, its love, and its manifestation in physical deaths. Uh, very cool. Very cool stuff. So Matthew and Laverne, thank you for that. And uh, let's see, Mike and Del Mar. I'm always grateful listening to you, but i got to go. Oh, all right. So he's got to go. See you later, Mike. See if we have any other incoming questions. Seems to be. Uh, let me try and clean this up a little bit. We'd have to figure out this new system. It's not, uh, not nearly as clear as the other one in terms of questions. All right. So uh, have a good turnout today. Again, I want to thank you for being here and encourage you to forward the emails that you get uh, to your friends. This is all free. The uh, Newsletter is free, obviously. The archives of the newsletter and the archives of the audio program are free. The live seminar is free. And uh, I'm happy to do it because I love to do it. Uh, as a journalist, I spent years and years and years studying this. It, it excites me more than ever. Uh, every month that goes by, I'm more interested in the perennial philosophy and the ageless wisdom because of its richness. It really does appeal to intelligent and passionate and compassionate women and men. And I hope you're enjoying these classes and willing to share them with other people. We're going to move back to somewhat more mundane subjects in the coming weeks, but I'm going to attempt every week to stand one leg in personal development and one leg in spiritual development and build the bridge from the identity of self as personality to identity of self as a spiritual being in form, the overshadowing soul, your better nature, your so-called higher self, uh, the soul above and free of form. You don't have a soul, you are a soul. And as recently as a few hundred years ago, I could have been uh, tortured, uh, pilloried, uh, burned at the stake for saying such a thing. Uh, if I was in Guantanamo, I suppose that could still happen. But uh, somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to talk about the fact that it may not be that upon conception a soul is fashioned by the most divine and tucked inside that being who if they redeem themselves and behave according to the rules then upon 
death of the mortal self can somehow go to a place called heaven. This is not at all what the ancient wisdom says. And, and again, I'm not talking about only ancient. I'm talking about ageless and timeless concepts that, well, have stood the test of time, that are extant and exist in the esoteric uh, philosophies of all religions. They exist. It's just most religious people don't know them and aren't interested in comparing the different religions. I'm glad you are, and I really honor that you're willing to be here with me as together um, we review what's been passed down to us in terms of a, a general blueprint or, or skeleton, an outline, a thumbnail sketch, a wireframe for uh, all philosophies, the perennial philosophy again and again. And gang, what does it all come down to? The oneness, the duality, polarities, paradoxes, and the trinity. It always comes to the heart. It always comes back to love. That's that's not only what you're looking for. It's who you are. You know, some of the most profound lessons in life, in philosophy or psychotherapy or social work or whatever, is explaining to people and helping them to realize that they already have within them the love they're looking for. But even then, that's just a step in the right direction. It's not only that you have the love that you've been looking for within you, and it's in that very quiet, peaceful center, but not only do you have it, you are it. Everything exists because of love. That's all there is. That's the stuff out of which everything is made. It's it's the energy out of which all mass forms. It is the spirit out of which the entire material world is built. And uh, it's a vibration. Uh, it's an energy spirit. Uh, chi, ki, kundalini, prana, elan, vital, whatever you want to call it. It's It's got its rhythm. You know, time may be an illusion, but rhythm is real. Rhythm with this frequency and that frequency and syncopation and you know, Alan Watts did a, uh, a very funny bit years and years ago, the great late Alan Watts, about uh, heaven being a jam session, you know. And uh, it's not just angels playing harps, but it synthesizes keyboards and electric guitars and <laughs> drums and this big, you know, progressive jazz jam session going on uh, where everybody gets to join in. Rhythm is music, rhythm is color, rhythm is light, rhythm is love. That's all we got. Everything is made out of love. So that's what it always comes back to. And that's the center. Uh, the heart is the middle. And that's where the mysteries are, and that's where the secrets are. Never on the extremes. Moderation in all things come to the middle. Okay. All right, let's do our little uh, visualization exercise for the day, and then... We'll let you guys go. Um, if you'll close your eyes and relax, hopefully you're in a place where you can do that. Take a nice, slow, deep breath. And as you exhale, create and sense in your body a feeling of letting go. Feeling very, very safe. 
feeling like butter on a warm day, just softening, yielding, feeling better and better. More and more safe, muscles unwinding, relaxing. If you'd like, you can place your attention on the bottom of your nose and just watch your breathing. This can be a meditation in and of itself. You could do this for five minutes or an hour. You could also be part of an induction to a place of perfect peace, just to watch the breath and realize that you're free to witness it. You're going to watch the body breathe itself all by itself, freeing you to be the watcher. Do that long enough, you can watch your thoughts and feelings without being the thought or the feeling, but rather the one who chooses to understand thoughts and feelings, to refine thoughts and feelings. Take that one step back, detach, let go. Allowing yourself to be mindful of a higher, more inclusive sense of who you are, more than that apparently separated and alienated being. Take a step back. And imagine yourself, if you'd like, in a place of perfect peace, a beautiful paradise. And awaken all of your imaginary senses so that allowing my voice to go with you. You could hear birds singing in the wind in the trees. You could hear the babbling of a little stream nearby. You can see the blue sky and the puffy clouds, the sun-drenched fields full of wildflowers. Smell the fragrances of nature. Drink the cool crystalline water from the stream and find a place to sit, to feel yourself grounded, plugged in as if, as if you had roots of your own connected to the earth. And consider this the induction. This brings you to an expanded level of awareness. Having turned away from physical sense and sensation, we are open to imaginary sense and sensation, to the inner, to the transcendent. Where I would have you consider, in these states of deep relaxation, the real simplicity in the one and the two and the threeness of things. Just the bar magnet. Just consider the bar magnet, which has a north pole and a south pole, but a third element that stands number two. It's an old riddle. What what comes third but stands as number two and makes the three into a one? I'm going to say this koan again, this riddle. What comes third but stands as number two and makes the three a one?
and of course it's love. So first the father creates the mother. Spirit manifests as matter. The north pole aligns itself so that there is a south pole. Opposite? No. Only at first blush. Only to the most simple-minded, perhaps. I don't mean that in a denigrating or derogatory kind of a way. We all start with the simple and build from there. But this bar magnet with these poles, this duality of above and below, of spirit and matter, has a unifying aspect that comes third but stands as number two. And it makes the three into a one. It's the magnetic field in the middle. Not not just the the very center, but the the whole range, even above the top and below the bottom. This is divine love. This is consciousness. This is your identity. This is the soul or the heart of spirit and matter, the one and the many, the creator and its creation that's the middle. And truly, no one comes to the Father but through me. How could the third aspect get to the first aspect but by going through the second aspect? You see. And then if you set that bar magnet into motion left and right, now you have the pendulum fixed on the high end corresponding to the divine and the absolute, unmoving, unchanging, knowing no time, no space. And at the other end of the pendulum, or the swinging bar magnet, if you will, a yin and a yang, the polarities in manifestation, the natural dualities of the physical world. And yet more than the extremes of this or that, as as is suggested by the swing of the pendulum, there is a middle. Like the football field between the end zones, there's not just the 50-yard line. There's all these permutations and combinations. This is love. This is truth. This is consciousness. You cannot have a two without a three. Remember what we said about Hegel. And allow yourself in these deeply relaxed states, free from the efforts of thinking, allowing yourself instead to simply stand open and receptive to be wonderful, filled with wonder, to begin to feel the ebb and the flow of love in the middle, to remind yourself that, as Hegel explained in his beautiful dialectic, everything gives rise to a difference. Every one manifests itself. And yet, as the thesis creates a difference, a distinction, that in the simplest sense is opposite, or the anti-thesis, the antithesis, it's only so that a synthesis, a higher understanding can emerge, like, like a child, like the son of Father Spirit and Mother Matter, or the daughter born as a synthesis, the best of all, out of the middle, out of the heart. 
which continues on unfolding by becoming a new thesis. And eventually, out of its vibration comes an antithesis, something different that seems at first blush to be contradictory. But out of that comes understanding, understanding, love and understanding, a synthesis, the middle. Oh, I see. Both things are true. Maybe not equally true. Maybe this is much more true, and this is hardly ever true. But they're relatively true. This is the middle way. This is the third way. This is the threefold nature of all things. So understand that you are a spiritual being in a physical form, but the essence is your heart and your soul as love, as truth, as conscious awareness. You are that. I am. Above and free of form. Yes, in form, but above and free of form. Appropriating the ego. Appropriating the personality like a big brother or big sister, a mom or a dad. Caring for your ego. Don't kill it just yet. You need it. You need it. In form, you will need an ego. Just don't let it drive. Let it ride shotgun or put it in the back seat. You drive. Love truth. Consciousness. The realization that comes from finding the heart in the center of all things. Be that I am. As it is Memorial Day weekend, I'd like you to take just a few moments in this level of mind to visualize peace on earth. As if every day were Christmas Day, peace on earth, goodwill toward all. We can honor our troops. We can celebrate and respect their bravery and courage. And still wage peace and move beyond war. For what we honor about our troops on this Memorial Day, hopefully at all times, their sense of duty, their honor, their respect for each other, their bravery, their courage, their willingness to give their lives for each other, is not a function of war nor limited to war. The greatest things we honor when we remember our troops on Memorial Day are human values that we see in men and women in other areas of life as well. The people that run into burning buildings to save others, or even even pets and risk their own lungs. That fellow a few months ago that, that jumped off the subway platform to a certain death, to save a man and the two of them huddled down very low as the train went over and they both survived that kind of sacrifice does not depend upon war we need to get our cause and effect straight support the troops, celebrate their sacrifice and move beyond opposing war to honoring peace, be the peace 
that you wish to see in the world. Don't just talk about it. Be the peace. When the love of power is replaced by the power of love will know peace. When human beings in sufficient number see themselves and their enemy and the most divine the absolute in all things this madness will stop take a moment on this memorial day to find the heart and the soul the middle what it means to wage peace and support the service of warriors and soldiers at the same time we honor a bravery that depends not upon war but our higher nature and our better spirit honor duty loyalty fidelity respect bravery and courage are exalted in peaceful times not merely in the barbarism of war and conflict. Find the balance in that seeming paradox. Hate war. Love peace. And love the warrior. Practice that compassion. On this Memorial Day, just takes a few minutes put that out into the world you will benefit and the world will benefit you are the heart and soul of things breathe put your attention on your breathing and perhaps even take a nice slow deep breath or two pulling in strength as you inhale and as you exhale feel the letting go feel the release feel the freedom and the peace preparing to open your eyes in a few moments orienting yourself to the sound of my voice remembering where you are thinking about this Sunday afternoon and what you plan to do with the rest of your day as you feel ready and it feels appropriate for you take another slow deep breath And gently open your eyes, wide awake and alert, exhaling, ah, feeling fine, rested, refreshed, better than before, as if you'd had eight hours of healthy, natural sleep. And willing to spend some more time today and tomorrow contemplating the heart and soul of things. I've enjoyed myself. I hope you have. I want to remind you, you can use the Wage Inner Peace Now button to visit our website and Learn about our premium podcast for just 99 cents a week where I join my buddy Steve Snyder in both personal and spiritual development topics. FocusPassion.com is the website to go to. Just click on the button that says Wage Inner Peace Now and you'll find yourself there. Also, uh, I want to remind you to forward these emails to your friends so you have somebody to talk to when it's over. And... uh, help us to build this uh, webinar and uh, there's a lot of folks looking for stuff like this but you know usually you have to join 
or the people that teach hold themselves out as swamis or gurus or masters of some sort. There will be none of that here, no gurus. I'm a teacher, but I'm no master. Uh, but i got a lot to teach and a lot to share. And uh, Still, there's nothing to join. None of you are followers. Uh, I am a student, and you are a student, and I am a teacher, and hopefully you can be a teacher, too, of these simple concepts that will help us move beyond the apparent conflict and adversity, the hatred and the fear that we find in so much of what uh, is called religion. How could it be religion if it embraces fear and promotes hatred and misunderstanding? So thanks for sharing the uh, emailed invitations with your friends. Send them to michaelbender.com where they can click on the free newsletter button and sign up there. If you're not getting the podcasts, you can put my name into the iTunes Music Store, find the Intervision podcast of this event. And, of course, it's also archived on my website under web teleconference, michaelbender.com. Okay? Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Have a wonderful holiday weekend and a great week. Join us next Sunday afternoon. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. So long. Aloha. The moderator has disconnected. The call...